What's up, guys? It's Mickey, and welcome back to another episode of Blank Canvas. All I have to say is, if you hear the noise in the background, it's raining, so it's set in the vibe, the tone. Welcome, welcome back, my BK fam. It is the first episode of season two, year two. Now, you know, some podcasts, they do seasons. And when I was trying to figure out how I was going to do this podcast, I thought, am I going to do seasons? Am I going to do weekly? All I know is that I started the grind of putting a brand new episode out week in and week out when I really fully committed in. I've been doing it ever since. So the way I have changed it up was when I get to year two or a different year, that's our new season. You know, it's not the typical podcast season, but that is our new season because we're stepping into hopefully a greater version of BK, a greater version of your host, me, and just different perspectives, new changes, and greater glory, greater glory. I'm so excited. First episode of season two, year two. How about that? How about that? Thank you guys so much for sticking with me. If you left me and came back, I don't care. If you're new, thank you. Just thank you to everybody. Even if it was just one listen, thank you. And hopefully it was it either entertained you or it helped you in some form of fashion. All I have to say is I'm beyond so grateful and so excited. Let's go. Let's go. Um, what do I want for year two, season two? Yeah, like I keep saying that, year two, season two. I expect more growth. Well, I hope so. I hope for more growth, transparency, and healing. I can't wait for our BK family to keep expanding and becoming better. Not just, you know, better in one area, but better human beings all the way around and Hopefully by listening to some of these episodes, maybe not all, but it helps you want to be better mentally, spiritually, or physically, relationally, in some form or fashion, and just better for yourself, you know? And I can't wait to learn more about myself and, you know, just we're about to step into a new year. It's kind of, I think the timing of when I started and everything, of course, played a role into what I was facing in my life at that time. But I kind of like that the season starts in December. A new season starts in December before we get to the whole typical January kind of thing because it leaves us at a moment of pause, reflection. Let's see. Let's look back over year one, blah, blah, blah. We did that last week. But then it's also like I get to step into a new season before, you know, January even hits. So it's something about being at the end yet so close to the beginning will technically I am at the beginning, even at the end. It's it's a weird, awesome, kind of cool space that I didn't intentionally create, but I am glad that it, it, it was created. So yeah, looking forward to that. Kind of love that it's in December and we'll be stepping into a brand new year in a couple of weeks, guys. Can you believe it? 2022 is over. Again, I thought 2022 was going to look so different. I'm just going to give up. Um, I'm not even... I'm not even making plans for what 2023 needs to look like. I'm just literally going to let God paint my canvas and say, F it. Because every single time I think this is going to end this season, then I'm going to move into this season, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, no, I have no idea. I'm just hanging on for dear life at this point and following God. So I have no idea. And lastly, I hope that I'm serving my purpose, my people, my community, and just the world better. 
All right, I'm so excited. Year two, season two, baby. All right, so in the first episode, we talked about parentification. That was the topic of the very first episode I ever put out there. Um, a little back inside information on that is I prayed before um, which episode I should put out first. I actually had a list. And when I say a list, I mean a very detailed list of multiple different topics that I could tackle for my first episode. I prayed over and over and over and over again. And I was like, God, which one should be my first episode? He wanted parentification to be the one. That's what it was. It was a very bold and transparent choice. Um, but it was beautifully done. It was beautifully done. And thank you to all the people who have reached out to me and was like, the way you put your story was in such a nice and beautiful way. And I really enjoyed that. And I got that early on. So thank you guys for that. And then for the ones that hopefully it helped, like put a name to what you have been experiencing because it's so common. But I say that all to say that it's really weird, but the topic that we're going to talk about, well, not the only one, but one of the first topics that we're going to talk about and season two, year two is parentification. So it's almost like parentification part two. And I did not plan this at all. It's just that as I was planning out the schedule for the next upcoming episodes and I saw this information and, you know, when I find helpful tools for us, I want to share, especially if it's topics that we have discussed before, because my perspective is nowhere near the only perspective you need to hear on it. I want other people's opinions. I want other people's insight, their wisdom, and just their journeys and testimonies. So I found some different things and I was already planning it out. And then I sat down and I thought about it like, wow, first episode of season two is literally going to be talking about a topic that we discussed in our very first episode. And I thought, what a weird co a coincidence. And then I asked myself, is it really though? Is it really? I mean, I did pray about it. I am talking about God and he is very intentional and his timing is definitely, definitely best. So let's jump into what new information I want to tell you guys about parentification. So the first part is talking about what it feels like to be parentified. And this says, if you were parentified growing up, this is how anxiety and urgency keeps you enmeshed. How anxiety and urgency keeps you enmeshed. So the first thing is the anxious inner voice when you've been parentified is this is what your inner voice will tell you, okay? Or can tell you. If I don't, no one else will. If I don't, it won't get done properly. If I don't, my needs won't be considered. If I don't, there will be more stress later. If I don't, so-and-so will suffer. If I don't, I'll never hear the end of it. If I don't, they'll guilt trip me. If I don't, they'll punish me. I can't tell you. I've probably said every single one on the list at some point in my life, and I definitely have anxiety, but it's definitely for more than just being parentified. But it's so crazy how different things that we experience in life trigger our anxiety, our depression, and so many other different things. And how if we don't get a handle over it, it will show up in a multitude of different ways. And the next thing says how anxiety and a sense of urgency develops. So being urged 
fosters a sense of imperativeness to act, especially if there is a lack of patience and empathy from your caregivers growing up. If a parent or sibling was struggling, you may have had to care for and keep them safe. Their suffering and helplessness may have been anxiety-inducing for you. Chaos, violence, dysfunction, and crisis can create a sense of impending doom if you don't immediately react and act. Does this sound familiar to any of my BK family? If it does, it's actually kind of sad and I'm sorry, but also hopefully a little enlightening. Okay, like this is starting to make some sense. All right. So this is how anxiety and a sense of urgency develops continued. If your caregivers were emotionally immature and or abusive, then likely you'll have been parentified with guilt tripping and coercion. You may have felt the need to protect a parent or siblings from the dysfunction or violence. We've been there. The risk of rejection punishment, guilt tripping, and abandonment fosters a psychological sense of threat. Taking on responsibilities was the only way you were able to soothe your own helplessness. And that is just, you know, some different ways of what it feels like to be parentified. The next thing that I want to talk about is the impact of being parentified. So compulsive and chronic caretaking compulsive and chronic caretaking if you were an adult who was parentified growing up you'll likely have the tendency of being a people pleaser and of falling into the caretaker role into your relationships one of the factors likely impacting your self-esteem is that you've learned to base your worth and find control in being useful. You may frequently put others' needs ahead of yours, often without being asked, whilst fearing depending on others as to not be a burden. I cannot explain to you how many times, like, I have been in, I will take on myself, like, being a, a caretaker that, you know, goes outside of my family as well. And then when I need help or anything. I'm just like, I'll figure it out. I'll fix it. I don't want to put the burden on anybody. I, I just don't want to be like when they see me coming, like, damn, what what else is it? Or what else is happening? Because it just always seemed like something was going on in my family, my life kind of thing, which I'm sure others felt the same. But I just didn't want it to always be like, damn, what now? Kind of thing. Sometimes I just be like, I'm excited to see you. And vice versa. Like I sometimes I just wanted to be excited to see people, not dreading the call because well, I heard it put this way. I dread phone calls anyways, but I know another reason that I dread phone calls is because I forgot exactly who said it, but they they said, we dread phone calls sometimes because we wonder what trauma is on the other end of this call. And I could not agree more. You think it's, I don't want to talk on the phone. Like if you could be sending in a text message, I would much rather text you. I'll text you all day, every day versus you picking up the phone to do, like, I don't really, I'm not the kind of person where it's like, I just need to hear your voice. Not really. Not really. You can send it in a text. I feel like we're talking just the same. I can read it in your voice. Like, don't call me. <laughs> and then if there's trauma on the other end, you have to mentally prepare yourself because it's like, you may be having a good day or you imagine if you're having a bad day and it's like, nah, I got to deal with your trauma on top of my trauma today, you know? So you look, you don't look forward to it. And I don't look forward to phone calls in general. And the next thing is how it can impact you is identity issues. So the role reversal and confusion you experience growing up impacts identity development. 
know that it makes sense if you feel like you don't know who you are. You may feel like even though you've had to act like a grown-up, now as an adult, you feel like a fraud. You have difficulty accessing your needs and values because they were not attuned to appropriately growing up. You also can probably struggle with low boundaries and enmeshment. So you may feel a profound shame and guilt for not being helpful or useful. Low mood slash depressive episodes are common. Anxiety is often also high. There are frequent intrusive thoughts about the well-being of your loved ones and a sense that you're abandoning those you care about if you're unable to focus on them. I can't stress to you how much I felt that last statement when I went off to college. There is an increased likelihood of being exploited for care and generosity as an adult. All right. So those were some examples of the impact of being parentified. Now, here are some signs to see that you may have been parentified. I think this has five. So number one, here are some signs. The role between your caregivers and you as a child are blurred. Number two. You were assigned duties that are not age appropriate and that were meant for adults. Number three, you feel like you can't ask for help because it would be a burden or there isn't no space for your needs. Number four, there's little time and space for you to develop yourself. And number five, you feel mature beyond your years yet also behind compared to your peers. After I graduated college, I felt number five to the max. The stuff that I had been dealing with, answering questions about insurance, where siblings should go to school, what, you know, which city and this and that, and just just answering questions that I can't even wrap my head around for my to fix in my own life. But at the same time, I also felt so behind. I felt so extremely behind. I felt like my peers around me, they were on track to building their lives, to getting married if they want to get married, have children if they want to have children, starting families, starting their careers and not really having to worry about other family members and different things. Like a lot of them were able to graduate and literally start life of what I thought life was going to look like. But what I also learned is that it, even though the picture was painted one way or it seemed one way through social media, different things. Everybody was going through their own journey. And just because they weren't dealing with stuff in one area, like maybe they could work and stuff doesn't mean they weren't dealing with it relationally or just um, psychologically and mentally. Maybe they were having deeper mental health issues, even though they had the house, like the price that people have to pay to maintain some of the things that we see, I might not want to pay that price. <laughs> and so some stuff is definitely protection, but I definitely did feel behind. I knew that I had a problem. Let me tell you guys, I knew that I had a problem when I was in college one time. I had just got off the phone and I was answering questions about insurance and this kind of stuff. And I honestly had no idea, but I was so accustomed to answering questions about stuff that I had no idea about that it was just my norm. So when I got off the phone, I didn't have a full-blown attitude, but my mood had shifted. And I looked over at the person and they were like, so what do you want to eat? And I was like, I don't know, you can pick. And they didn't pick. They were like, no, I'll leave it up to you. And that triggered me. And I didn't yell, but I was just like, I, like I, could feel, I felt angry. Like, 
No, you pick. You pick. And right there in that moment, God gave me that revelation. Like, because you have had to make adult decisions since you were a child and because you have been around people that it's like they want to come to you to confirm their choice, their opinion, their thoughts, their this and that, that it makes you be like, when you get around other people, you just want somebody else to make the decision because you have been making so many decisions. You don't even care about making decisions for yourself at this point. You just had to make decisions for yourself, everybody else. Like you just want somebody to be able to pick the food. I, at that point, I wanted the person to be able to pick what we were eating. And I instantly knew like, you're not supposed to be triggered this bad about somebody not knowing what to eat. Cause girl, you never know what you want to eat. So why are you so triggered? And it, God let me know and had revealed to me then that it was a deeper rooted issue. And so, yeah, that's how I knew I had a problem right then and there. And I, again, I didn't yell or I didn't curse, but for me to get angry just because somebody didn't know what they want to eat and I never know what I want to eat. It's like baffling, contradicting, and just, it was mad weird. It was mad weird, but I'm grateful for that moment because it taught me right then and there. Oh, okay work on this. And from that moment forward, I started working on that. I didn't announce it to my family and different things. And I'm working on this, but I did. So yeah, because I didn't want to be triggered every time somebody else can make a decision for themselves and get mad, like, well, just tough titty, figure it out. Like I also, when they really genuinely needed help, no matter who it was, I also wanted to be open to still helping people. I didn't want to be shut off, but that's definitely new <laughs> how I knew that I had a problem with it. And even then I didn't know that it came from history of parentification and other stuff. So yeah, those tips that I read to you um, about signs you may have been parentified, the impact of how parentification can affect you, and just talking about different examples of what it can feel like, they came from Journey with Rachel um from instagram so follow her for more information she she talks about parentification and some other things and it looks like i don't know how long she's been sharing her journey but those were really good so please these are not my posts that was from journey with rachel on ig um follow her if you want to see more and learn more all right so i usually talk about being parentified obviously from the, to the perspective of being an older sibling and helping with a young younger sibling, but you can clearly be parentified by parents and not just having to help with siblings. And honestly, I think majority of us are parentified by our parents and we don't even realize, especially in the Black community. I would speak on other ones, but I don't want to stereotype any other communities. And I'm not really trying to stereotype my own because I know that there are healthy Black families and there are Black families that you know, they didn't put the weight and the responsibility on their children or it didn't have to pass off passively because another parent wasn't active. So, or active to the point that they play their parent role. I'll say that. Now, I don't want to say not active at all, but literally active and actually being a parent and not just for fun. You know what I mean? So, you can be parentified by a parent as well. I don't want when they listen people to think, oh, it's only okay if I if I was if I was raising siblings, that's the only way I was parentified. No, nine out of ten, you're parentified by your parent first, and then it passed down if they had other children, and it's just so normal. And 
I don't want to speak for everybody's community, but if you heard the signs and it resonates with you, I, it's a lot more common than people really realize because nobody ever really had a name. And I think my family has been parentified for generations and generations and generations. And if you're a girl and a, you're the only girl in the family, not just out of 10, you're going to be parentified. If you are the oldest girl, nine times out of 10, you're going to be parentified. Um, now I have read stories over the years where people say, well, I wasn't the oldest daughter. I was the middle daughter and I was parentified or uncommon, but it happens. I was the baby and I was parentified. You know what I'm saying? So I've listen. if you're the oldest and the only girl, I, I pray, I pray, but I pray for all of us. And I also don't want you guys to think that only girls can be parentified. Sons are parentified too. Sons are definitely parentified. It's just that nine times out of 10, the burden and the weight of saving the family, of holding the family down falls on the woman usually and the females. And I have a whole different level of like perspective and level of respect for the big mamas in the family because, you know, everybody goes, if you have a good one. I don't have a big mama that I go to, but for the families that do have that, everybody go to big mama. Everybody put their burdens there. Everybody live with big mama. Every, like everybody send their kids to be loved on my big mama because big mama give out love, blah, 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 blah. But did anybody ever ask, stop and ask, did big mama even want that role? Did she really want to hold it down? Did she really want to be the heartbeat of the family or was she just automatically put there? And how long was she put there? Was that role already predestined for her to be? And what if she wanted to say no? Would the family have really given Big Mama an option to say no? I look at all that so differently now. <laughs> what do you guys think? Did you guys ask your Big Mama to be Big Mama or was she just put in that role? And it was just the norm. And so everybody piles everything on her and she's like, but she's the heart of the family. But is she breaking? <laughs> is, does the heart of the family need repair? Like, does the heart of the family have the type of support that she needs in order, in order to support everybody else? Questions that need answers, ladies and gentlemen. Questions that need answers. But back to um, you could be parentified by a parent. I want to say this, and this is very, very important. If you've been parentified by a parent, give them grace and forgiveness. Give them grace and forgiveness. It's so much easier said than done, but most of the time they're just doing the best they can. I've talked about this, whether you've been parentified by a parent or not. Our parents, they're going to fail us. They're human. It's inevitable. If I have kids, I'm going to fail my kids in some form or fashion. It's inevitable. Um, The people we love most, they fail us. They're human. It's inevitable. But parents, for the most part, I know everybody doesn't have great parents. I know that. But for the most part, they're doing the best that they can or they did the best that they could. Also, the forgiveness is more for you than for them. You pardon them of that debt because it can never undo what was done anyways. So free yourself and don't hold on to that weight. If you can heal slash free the other party as well, it's a win-win. And I know some of you are probably listening and thinking, you're probably asking, why would I care if they feel better, you know? And my answer to that is hurt people, hurt people, hurt people, hurt people. And had they been healed or even aware of what was truly going on, it more than likely would have never happened in the first place. 
I'm not saying that, you know, it's always a possibility that it still could have happened even if they were aware, but more than likely it wouldn't have happened. Not especially if they're really trying their best to be good parents. And they, I mean, our parents are only trying to do better than what they had for the most part. Again, if you have good parents and even if you had, even if you had parents that didn't meet your standards, I don't necessarily want to call them bad because again, maybe they did the best of their ability. Even if you don't want to, even if they didn't do what you needed them to do and be who you needed them to be, I already know that God gave you supplication in other areas. You might not have wanted to accept it or you just wanted it desperately from that parent, but God gave you supplication in other areas. So look out for where your supplication came from and realize you didn't miss a beat. Secondly, I just, even if they didn't give you what you need, the forgiveness still frees you. You still don't have to hold on to the burden. You still can let it go. And it's a process. Remember, forgiveness isn't a one done deal, one time final thing. It's 70 times seven. And so we lose count. And it's multiple times in a day, every day, multiple times in a day, every day. So that's my most important tip as we, you know, go back down the parentification lane. If you've been parentified by a parent, Give them grace and give them forgiveness because they are still human and hopefully they were doing the best that they could with the information that they knew at the time. And if they got better with younger siblings, it's okay. That is the goal. Each generation is supposed to get better. So hopefully they did get better with the children that came after. If you're the oldest, unfortunately, you're the test dummy. Mm-hmm. gotta love it you're the test dummy and hopefully by the time they have the other ones they get better with each kid okay <laughs> for this next topic i want to talk about how i think some black families are failing their adult children controversial right no not really we think it's pretty common um i i don't think it may not be done on purpose, but either way, it's happening. Maybe it is done on purpose because I don't know what it is in the Black community that there are so many parents, grandparents, cousins, like adults, figures in Black families. And again, this does not apply to all. I don't want people to listen and think, wow, Black families are this. Like, I'm not trying to stereotype, but it is a common issue. And it's okay to acknowledge a common issue that happens in enough. It may not happen in all of them, but it's happening in enough for it to be too common and for us to hopefully f- acknowledge it, fix it, and do better for the generations to come. Start now for us <laughs> and then for the generations to come. So again, they're, they may not be doing it intentionally, but there's like this thing where I suffered, so you have to suffer too, and I don't get that. Or this, I'm an adult or you're an adult now. So your feelings don't matter or your basic needs being met don't matter or I had to get it out the mud. I I couldn't come back home or I I was only allowed for a year. And it's like your trauma and your pain of you having to struggle, you're now passing it on. It's kind of like a slavery mentality. Like we got our ass beat. Y'all getting beat too um we 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 like or when you think about like the civil rights movement and stuff like we couldn't vote how dare you do you know what i had to go through to vote which their pain and their trauma is real so like voting hits different for them but it's like i got dogs stuck on me which is a fact 
I got hosed down for certain stuff. I got ho- like I walked so y'all could drink out of these water fountains. And now y'all <laughs> now y'all walk around with these water bottles that probably have a filter in it. And you don't even have to worry about drinking out of a public water fountain. The generations that came before us, they fought battles that I'm so grateful that I was born in the time that I was born in because I would have been dead or in jail because I would have been fine back. (laughs) I absolutely would have been fine back and let a dog, let a dog stick on me. I have a soft spot for animals, not animals, for dogs now because of my favorite husky in the whole entire world. But let a dog have bit me back in the day. Like what? I'm proud that generations back then didn't lose their fight. But I say this all to say, there is a dismissiveness like, oh, I went through this, suck it up. Ma'am, I'm sorry. <laughs> Ma'am, sir, I'm sorry that you went through this. It's really unfortunate. And it it's extra unfortunate because now you're making decisions when it comes to raising me, when it comes to quote unquote, giving me advice for my life based off your trauma and pain, which we all do, parent or not, which we all do. And I'm just like, oh, I'm sorry you went through this too because you suffered in that way, but I'm suffering second degree because of the pain and trauma you went through. And I just want to say, listen, adults, adults, parents, grandparents, older generation, if you have children, nieces, nephews, kids, whatever, and they are now adults, they still need you. Your role just changes. Be their support and advisor as they become adults and step into a new season. But it doesn't mean they don't need you at all, okay? The dismissive statement where they're grown now, that can have such lasting impacts on letting a child hear that. And it's not to baby or coddle kids by any means. At some point, they must grow up. I fully agree with that. But even with them growing up, it doesn't mean that they stop needing you. You didn't stop needing your parents, even if you can't rely on their support you know there are areas where you'd be like wow I wish I could go to my mom wow I wish I could go to my dad I wish I could go to so-and-so but I can't just because you can't go to them it doesn't mean that you don't feel that longing that desire and that need for their support in your adult life as well okay if you have kids with gaps in their ages the tricky part is figuring out how to be the best parent that each kid needs because whether they have an age gap or not each child has different needs which means that they may require a different parent kids also have different personalities i mean hello they are their own individuals (laughs) what works with one may not work with the other It's a trial and error, and hopefully everybody gets it right sooner than later. But the willingness to consistently work from the child perspective and from the parents' perspective is that, like, both parties being willing to work is major and truly helpful, I think. As a child grows, the type of parent they need in each season changes, but they are definitely still needed. I'm sure this happens to different families from different cultures and races as well. But again, I'm talking about it from the Black perspective because everything that I talk about, I may not have necessarily experienced personally, but I probably have heard stories or I've seen generations that came before me or I know friends and vice versa that this has impacted them or just people sharing their testimonies. Like one thing that... I applaud is our generation isn't afraid to like tell our stories. Sometimes we may tell a little too much, but (laughs) hey, at least we're getting it out there. And at least it's helping people feel a little seen and a little heard, right? 
and it's starting conversations where at one point there was a whole generation called the freaking silent generation imagine being raised by the silent generation then you know millennials and stuff they try to let my kid have a little bit of freedom and now i'm not even gonna tap into it what the world is now yeah do what's best for you do what's best for your family (laughs) but back to the whole point of the topic you know your child will always need you just the way and the version of you that they need i think will change as the seasons go on and you just have to be willing to learn and adjust and grow and vice versa with the child to the parent you have to figure out your new normal with your parent that has healthy boundaries and lots and lots and lots of love and wisdom involved and grace lots of love wisdom and grace involved and forgiveness ooh wee mhm if you extending grace, you're going to need some forgiveness, trust, especially as both from both perspectives. It's not just like to be hard on parents for children as well. Like you also got to I heard something Pastor Tim Ross say you also got to be willing to have the conversation. Like I think I'll speak for myself. Example, I know that there are certain conversations I may not necessarily want to talk to the older people in my family about. I'm like, if I go to friends, it's less judgment. I don't have to hear all this. It's not going to blow up into something different. Like it just is what it is. But they also will never get better if we don't give them the opportunity to try, which is one thing that I respect about my brother. He's young, but he's like, no, 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 this is how I feel or this is how it was interpreted from my perspective or whatever. And this is how it made me feel. And, you know, to some people that could be seen as disrespect, but I look at it like my brother just has the balls to say the things that the children that came before him were thinking anyways. He just has the ball to to say it. I just shut up and figured out how to survive. Like, you don't say this, you don't have to hear the extraness, you don't have to get in trouble. You say this, everybody's still at peace. We don't have to acknowledge if there's, you know, really trauma behind it, whether you agree with the statement or not, if they think they're that. I just don't have the energy to try to do it. But because of that, it leaves a disconnect. So I applaud my brother and people like him for being willing to have the conversation having the balls to, you know, really say this is what it is because it does open up the line of communication. And sometimes parents can't do better if they don't know how they're harming us. And it's not to like, when you tell them like, you did this, you did that, you ooh, ooh, you felt this, you felt that. It's not that at all, but it's just like, they need the opportunity to be able to correct the stuff that was done to you. And it takes courage to be able to do it and not just be complacent with it children they play their roles as well and um I would just love to hear more stories and examples and share them if I'm allowed to when you guys share them with me let me know to help us all see different perspectives because again my perspective is not the only one I don't understand why some people enjoy seeing their children suffer I just don't get that or they have the mentality I survived this so you will too in a very dismissive way Um, All I can say is sorry for the generations that came before and the lack of support that was given and that, you know, sorry for the generations that came before and the lack of support that was given. And then y'all had to turn around and raise the next generation and give to your kids what you didn't receive. That's hard. And I think as children, sometimes we don't acknowledge that. Like our parents not only did the best they could, but now they're trying to give us something that they never saw in their life, something that they craved in their childhood. They're trying to figure out how to heal the inner child while still tending to their real life children. That is 
hard. That's so hard. So we have to give them more credit for that. Um, and thank you. That's what I want to say. I want to say thank you. Thank you for trying. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you for wanting the generational curses and patterns broken. Shout out to all my parents doing the work. Shout out to my children that have the balls to keep the lines of communication open. Uh, this is not an easy task at all. And God trusts you with it. If you're experiencing it, you have experienced it. If you didn't have what you need, but it was supplemented in other ways, but you're still trying to figure out how to give it from a parent's perspective, you know, because you can have supplement supplementation in other areas, but it still hits different. It re-triggers what you didn't have. And it still hits different when you're like, okay, but how do I do this and show up for it with this specific title, this specific role? And that kind of thing. And our parents are still trying to learn that and figure that out along the way. So we have to extend grace. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you to the parents that try, that are obedient, that said yes. And you may not get it right every time, but at least you try. I applaud all the parents trying their best to give their children, even if they're not your biological children, other children in your life, in your community, in your family, the type of love and care you needed but didn't receive. That is huge. So from the kids' perspective, let's remember that. They're trying their best. And remember that we talked about earlier, even if they're not, forgive them anyways for yourself. And if you can pardon them as well, it is a win, win, win. Final thing I want to talk about this week is the whole child support debate between Kim and Kanye. Now, you know, when it comes to celebrities, we always see in a child support debate because some people want more. Some people feel like... I raised my kids off of this and blah, 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 blah. Kanye West has to pay Kim Kardashian $200,000 a month. And a lot of people are like, wow, Kim, you don't need it. Blah, 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 blah. Let's start here. Um, They were, they were married. So unless I'm wrong, and I could very well be wrong, because clearly I'm not in their everyday lives. I do not know the details, only what is put out there. And we know that everything that's put out there is not true. So this is an assumption, but not as out of town because they were married. The courts went ahead and settled that anyways. They were knocking off every single thing so their divorce could be finalized. And 200000 you got to think about the kind of lifestyle that they're accustomed to. 200000 is probably what they wear <laughs> around their necks for a little necklace. 200000 may or may not even be what they pay for a purse or two. They live a really high rich lifestyle their school is probably cost out the ass they have to pay for security the typical children stuff and then accommodate the lifestyle that they're accustomed to so two hundred thousand, it ain't that much it's okay not for the four kids and not for them plus they're still gonna um let's see i took a screenshot let's see they are going to he has to pay the two hundred thousand. And he will also be responsible for half of the children's medical, educational, and security expenses in both Kim and him waive spousal support. So if people are trying to say like, oh, Kim, you're just trying to be greedy. You don't really need it. First of all, them his kids too. Them his kids too. He's responsible for taking care of them. Just because she has the money doesn't mean that all the the weight and the burden and the responsibility should be put off on the women. (laughs) I mean, we don't have empathy when they don't have the money. We still got to keep that same energy even when they do. It took two to make the kids, okay? Whether they use a surrogate for the last two or not, her egg, his sperm, it took two. 
Thank you very much. So he needs to do his part. And he seems willing to do his part. He seemed like the people that were mad about it wasn't even them two. <laughs> I'm sure Kim is greatly relieved to have this in the past and done and all squared away. I mean, listen, he's a father. He's the father of those kids. It doesn't even seem like he has a problem with it. Other people are more upset. And they... Does it go back until that? I suffered, so you should too. Or I didn't get this, and I had to deal with this. And you know, me and my kids struggle. Do you hear yourself? It's unfortunate that you and your kids struggle, but you shouldn't want that either. Oh my God, me and my kids, we only had peanut butter and jelly to eat. And you want that for somebody else? Did it not traumatize you enough? Like, or did it traumatize you so much that you wanted somebody else to suffer the way you did? Like, I don't understand. Kanye needs to do his part as a father. He seems very willing to do it. Um, and I just think the courts went ahead and decided it while they were taking care of everything else legally. Just because the money is there, just because she is like billionaire, quote unquote, status than he was before they started cutting his money off. It doesn't mean that he still doesn't have to do his part as a father. And again, they're splitting everything else down the middle. Medical, educational, security. They're doing their part. And it ain't none of our business anyways. I'm just saying my opinion on somebody else's life that ain't even mine. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks so much for joining me on this week's episode, year two, season two, baby. I'm so excited and so, so grateful. I hope you guys have enjoyed this week's episode. I hope you guys learned something new from our parentification perspective, parentification part two, and everything else that we talked about. I hope it was entertaining and it gets you through your week. Thank you for starting your week off with me. I can't wait to see what we talk about next time. All right, guys. Bye.